0: Listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conlon. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. This week's episode is an interview with Jessica Turner. She's the author of the books Stretch Too Thin and The Fringe Hours. Jessica is a longtime blogging internet friend of mine, and we're going to talk in this episode a little bit about self-care. Some of you may love the idea of self-care. You may know that you're not good at it, or you may love practicing it, or I have a feeling some of you may not love the idea of it. It may sound frivolous or selfish to you. But Jessica has such good wisdom about how taking care of ourselves enables us to run on mission better. It enables us to care for the people God has entrusted us with and placed in our lives to love. And we talk a lot about that in this interview. We also talk a lot about how one of her tips changed the game for me when it comes to drying my hair. So it's a good one. Buckle up. Enjoy. Listen in. I'm here today with Jessica Turner, who I'm a longtime fan of, and I mean a long time. I've been following you and listening to you for years and years, and so I'm just so grateful to get to share your wisdom and insight with our people. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to be here, and I'm a longtime fan of you as well, so mutual adoration.
0: Heart eyes. This is my second podcast interview of the day, and my earlier one was with Jamie Nado, and I told her I was talking to you next, and I think we all met the same weekend. Oh yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And that was six plus years ago, like mm-hmm. six and some change. So maybe let's start there. Where have you been the last few years? Like where's God taking you? What have you been up to? Because you've been doing so much. You provide resources for so many women. What's your journey been like the last few years?
1: Sure. So I'm going to go back a little further than few just to give people context. So I started blogging in 2006. Mm -hmm. So I'm a dinosaur on the internet. I'm still blogging. There's a lot of bloggers who have stopped. I still blog, though not as much as I was back in the day. So then I got pregnant in 2007, had my first child in 2008. We've since had three. So I've got a 10-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. And if we go back five years ago, I was at a blogging conference called Alt Summit and And had the idea to write a book called The Fringe Hours. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to write a book. My husband is an author and has been full-time since 2003. So I've always looked at him as the author. People would ask me if I was going to write a book. And I always said, no, never. I'm never going to write a book. That's Matthew's gig. That's not mine. And I felt like it was an act of obedience to write that book because I did not want to be a writer. And I worked full-time then. I still work full-time outside the home in corporate America. At that time, we had two kids. We didn't think our family was going to get any bigger. And it just felt like a lot to write a book on top of blogging, on top of working, and a family. But I felt like I had no choice. So. I set out to find an agent and, you know, do the whole proposal process and had a bunch of publishers just fall in love with the concept, which was really exciting and also felt like, yep, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, like we thought the doors would close if I wasn't supposed to do it. And so wrote The Fringe Hours and I, at the time, signed a two book deal. And right after I turned The Fringe Hours in, we got pregnant. Mm. with my third and he was planned. I had been feeling for a while that, you know, maybe we, our family's not supposed to be done having kids. Um, I've horrific pregnancies and had signed the paperwork to have my tubes tied. If I had to have a C-section with my daughter, I mean, really we did not want more children because of how hard it is on my body, but felt like our family was incomplete and felt like our daughter shouldn't be our last. And then it took a while to get pregnant. Looking back, it's because you shouldn't try to get pregnant while finishing a book. That's, that's the long and short of it. It's a lot of stress all at one time. Yeah. And so literally I turned in my book and we got pregnant that same month. And so I ended up releasing that book and having a baby all within six weeks. Hmm. Which was crazy. So, my maternity leave was also a book launch. And crazy. then I thought, what the heck am I going to do? I've got to write this other book. We now have three kids. I'm still working full time. And the answer was to talk to working moms. Yeah. Because I realized that there weren't great resources out there for moms like me and for moms that weren't like me who were working, you know, a side hustle at home while staying with their kids or who had a full time entrepreneurial gig, but, you know, didn't have a traditional corporate job like me or, you know, were working at target, whatever, that there wasn't many resources out there speaking to working women and what the challenges uniquely are for the group of us. And there's a lot of us, 70% of moms with kids under the age of 18 have some sort of job. And by job, I mean a paid job. Yeah. So that's most of us. So it's mind blowing to me that there aren't more resources out there. And so I set out to do that. And so Stretch Too Thin, my newest book came out in September. And it's been one of the greatest joys of my life to get to travel around the country and speak to working women and minister to them in their homes when they're reading the books, you know, by, yeah. with my words on the page. It has just been an incredible, incredible experience. So that was a very long answer to what I've been up to. but. That's what I've been up to.
0: I love it. Well, let's start there. I want to say, you and I get sent a lot of books. Being any kind of an interneter in any way, shape, or form, you get sent a lot of books. Before I got your book in the mail, I went and bought it because... I was like, I need this right now. And then I was so grateful because your publisher sent me a copy and I keep both and loan out one. But when I loan it out, I'm always like, and can I get it back? Because I always (laughs) like to have the both. I like to have the one for me and the one for other women. I know because you're 100% right. There are not a ton of resources out there for working moms. Why do you think that is? I wish I
1: knew. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. There's a lot of resources out there for like how to pump at work and going back yeah. to work when you have a baby and that sort of thing. But there aren't a lot of great resources for in the thick of it. Although it's interesting in the past 12 to 18 months more have come out. And I think like Laura Vanderkam, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's an author that writes a lot about time and writes a lot for women as yeah. well. And I think she's a great voice in the space, but again, her content isn't specific for moms. You know, I think there's just a lot of productivity books out there and, if you think that 70% of moms are working, then some of them probably are geared toward moms, but there just isn't a lot out there in the mom experience. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're all stretched too thin
0: and, and no one has time to write that. So I'm glad to get the conversation started. I just wonder, too, and I didn't prep you for this at all, but do you think a little bit of it is shame? So this is what I would like pull it back to. And I would say, if you're not a mom, keep listening for a minute. (laughs) Keep listening. Because also, stretch to them is good for you. Um, There is a lot of wisdom in there. I had kids pretty young and a lot younger than most of my friends were having kids. I, I got pregnant at 21 and most of my friends were not married yet. And I remember trying to explain to my friends how they looked really cute when they would wear like workout clothes or something like that. Athleisure wasn't really a thing back then, but they'd look really cute if they wore like more casual clothes out to the store or something. But I said, there's something after you become a mom that when you do that too often, you're you're seen as pretty messy. And I was like, all of a sudden, I feel like I can't really wear like workout clothes or bummy looking clothes. It's not accepted anymore. It means something about my soul. And I wonder if there's a little bit in there about after you're already being a mom, just not especially a working mom, not feeling okay to say this is too much for me or I don't really know how to handle this or no one taught me how to order my life in an intentional way so that I don't feel crazy.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I know there's certainly a lot of conversation around that. And I think that's why I included in the title the idea of guilt because yes. I do think that a lot of our hangups revolve around that idea of that we feel guilty that we shouldn't do XYZ. You know, the two biggest pain points as I surveyed 2000 working moms in my research were self care. And home management, which I think is really interesting if you look at what those two things are. Yeah. So our, our biggest pain points are taking care of ourselves, which for a lot of women, they feel like it's easiest for them to say no to themselves or take themselves off the to do list, yeah. right? Because they're busy they feel overwhelmed by their homes and they have this ideology of what their home should look like either because of how they were raised or the media or because of what they're seeing on people's Instagram feeds. Mm-hmm. So what does that ultimately come back to you? Feeling guilty. Yeah. about that they're not doing things right or they're feeling overwhelmed by what things should look like for them. So I think that's really interesting that those are the two biggest pain points. And what women have said to me over and over again as they've read Stretch Too Thin is, I felt seen.
0: Yeah.
1: And so this isn't a book that necessarily has all the answers and it's going to fix all the things that you're struggling with. But I think it is a resource to know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And there's some practical stuff in there that I think can take you from feeling like you're just barely. hanging on to really thriving, but it's also a lot of, hey, girlfriend, come right alongside me and let's figure this mess out together.
0: Yeah. Okay. No one in the history of our podcast so far has ever talked about self-care. And can we talk about it for a minute? (laughs) Can we just... I want to hear what does self-care look like for you? And if you would, will you speak to a little bit of the snark and sarcasm we see online towards the entire idea of self-care? Because that is one of my most unfavorite things to see anywhere in culture, but specifically online when people get kind of fussy about like, oh, self-care again.
1: That's interesting that you say that, because I feel like self-care has become such a hip thing and that there's so much conversation about, oh, you should take care of yourself. But I think it's been reduced to like massages and manicures. And so in that regard, it's like, oh, it must be nice to go get a massage or whatever. But really, self-care is so much more than that, right? It's the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional care of yourself. And what we know is that it's commanded of us to take care of ourselves. Like throughout scripture, you can find examples of it. My favorite scripture is when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what he is saying is, take care of other people in the same way you take care of yourself. And so if you aren't taking care of yourself, you aren't going to be able to take care of other people well. Yes. And on the flip side, if you're really pouring into yourself, you have so much more to offer and you are able to pour into other people in a completely different way. Yeah. The way I know that is because I have seen it in my own life over and over and over again. And I've seen it from letters and conversations that I've had with women all over the country who have experienced that shift. It's also so important for us to model for our children, right? Like we make sure that our children eat well, that they get enough sleep, that they're doing things that they love, that they're on their sports teams or dance or whatever it is, right? They've got to see us modeling that for them because if they don't, they're going to grow up and think that is not normal when in fact it is normal and healthy and the way they should live.
0: Yeah, I think you're so right. And I don't think we have to fear it so much. The other thing is, this is something I tell women like test and see, because what I find is when I truly take care of my body, my mind, my soul, I want to serve other people. I want to give Mm -hmm. more of myself. The like self-care begets caring for others. A new rhythm I've started, this has been new for my self-care and it's wildly simple, but I've been going on a short walk. In between work and the nighttime of momming. I'm not taking any of my kids with me. My husband's making dinner, thank God. And I'm taking the dog and I'm just no phone, no nothing, just 20 minutes outside by myself. And it feels like this wild resistance against producing more for a minute. But what I find is that by the end of that walk, my head is clear. All I want to do is go in and engage with my kids. I want to talk to them. I'm picturing myself putting them to bed that night. Whereas if I didn't do that, I could easily just go into the evening, stretch to them, massively unfocused on, on what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, I don't know. I think we don't have to fear caring for ourselves because we will find a deep desire to care for other people in our wellness, in our wholeness.
1: And how great is it that your kids are seeing you coming home from doing something just for you? Yeah. I think that's really, really positive. And I don't think that we can fully recognize that until they're adults when they see it. You know, I remember my mom going on walks with our neighbor and it didn't mean anything to me as a child. But now I look back and think of how important that was that she was a working mom and she took care of us and did all of the things, but that she still took time to have community yeah. and build a friendship and take care of her body and have that time that was really important to her. So I think that is really important. In my own life, it looks like this. So. I get up early before my kids. I think it's really important that I pour into myself before I'm pouring into anybody else every day. And if I don't get that time, I feel like the mornings just are not as happy. Yeah. So that is really important to me. So I usually get up between 4.30 and 5 and um, take some time for myself, do some writing, do some reading, whatever that is um, that I'm going to do that morning. This year, after more than a year of saying I was going to do it, I hired a Trainer, Love it. Which sounds really fancy. It's not. It's at the why. It is basically just because I need to pay to have accountability or I am going to cancel on myself again and again and again. But yeah. by having it hit my bank account, it is happening. And I have been more consistent with physical activity than I have been in years and years and years this year. And I'm really proud of that and have been going to the gym three days a week. And that is really easy for me because one day I do it on my lunch break, one day I do it right after work, and then I do it on Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. So when people ask all the time, well, how can you do that with a full-time plus job? That's how I'm doing it. So a lunch break, one day after work from five to six o'clock, so I get home a little later. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday morning, I'm just hitting the gym really early before everybody else is really getting going.
0: I love it. So good. And that's not simple, but it is that simple to plan it in and to just say like, this is what it's happening. Right.
1: Right. And you know what, Jess, I also, I go to the doctor and I (laughs) think that it's so important for women to hear that. Yeah. That I go to the doctor every six months. I go to the dentist every year. I get my physical, I go see my OBGYN. I get mammograms, like All of those things. It is so important that we don't put off our physical health because when we do something catastrophic will eventually happen. It always does. I work in the medical field. I promise you it always does. So we've got to be proactive with our health as well. And that means not pushing off those doctor's appointments.
0: I love it. You don't have to make excuses for yourself. The sense that we we don't have to continually protest against our own well-being. Right. We can just partner with things that that make us healthier and happier yes that's okay and we should that's not just okay like that is the way you should be living yeah okay i want to just touch on the fringe hours because one thing from the fringe hours that massively changed my life and is a tool that i would like to hand people you mentioned in the fringe hours about how you read while you dry your hair is this still true Oh, it
1: is very, very true. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Almost the only time I listen to audiobooks is when I dry my hair. Here's what that does for me. Number one, it gives me about 15 minutes of of getting wisdom a day. Number two, it makes me excited about doing my hair again. So I don't live in this perpetual thing of like, I have to wear a hat because I don't have time. Like, I, I do have time. I'll do my hair because I feel better. Maybe not every day, but at least every other day. And I will also get in a little learning while I do. And audiobooks have saved me, and I just turn them up really loud so I can hear it over the hair dryer. I love that. It's such a nice little, and and the Fringe Hours did that for me. I'm so thankful.
1: You know, it's the little things. I'm really glad that I could. But think about that. Like, so if you're doing your hair every other day, let's just say that's an hour a week. So that's 52 hours a year that you are now reading that you weren't reading before. I love that. It makes me so happy. Right.
0: Or that I was even avoiding doing my hair because it felt like this is too much time. I don't have time for this. I'll just wear a hat again. No, just double-edged bonus right there.
1: I'm going to give you one more bonus and double it to 100 hours for you. I want you to start listening to audiobooks when you're folding laundry.
0: Oh, that's a game changer. That's a good one. That's a good one okay easy okay I often ask people at the end of the podcast and I'll ask you too what tools or tips or tricks are helping you do what you're supposed to do right now but I've never shared mine and mine is hundred percent airpods and I of all the apple products I've ever bought if you don't like apple products I'm so sorry but I'm sure they have one for whatever you use do you have airpods Jessica
1: I do mm-hmm. did, it, did it change your life <laughs> uh I, that's maybe a little extreme but I, I definitely dig them
0: I'm so afraid I'm gonna lose them Oh, that's true. That's true. They're so tiny. For me, they redeemed drying my hair, walks. I don't know why, just not having cords. It's so unencumbered. And a lot of times, (laughs) my husband and I both work from home sometimes, and we'll both just put our AirPods in, and we won't even listen to each other. We won't listen to anything. It's just like, it's protection to say, like, look, I'm working. I'm in my space. You're in your space. Maybe I'll put on some music. Maybe he will. But we're just, we're very protected in our little worlds, just getting, getting done what we need to get done.
1: That's awesome.
0: okay, well, let's go there what are what are some tips, tricks, tools that have that are new for you that ha- that are really helping you thrive in this season?
1: Oh goodness. well, I am really a big list maker. Mm-hmm. and so if I don't have a notebook near me, I feel a bit paralyzed. So I know that's super analog, but I love the May designs notebooks yes. and They really help keep me on track more than anything else are those little notebooks that I can stick in my purse that I can have in my briefcase. That is really keeping me sane. I also love, love, love WordPress editorial calendar Mm. that helps me keep track of all of my deadlines because I do work with a lot of brands on my blog. And that plugin is the single best plugin that I use on my site. I'm a big scheduler because I have my eight to five job. So I use a lot of tools to stay on top of my social. I use Grum for Instagram and I use Hootsuite for Twitter and we schedule direct in and Facebook and, and that type of scheduling and just doing batch content really helps for me to stay present online without having to physically be online every day.
0: Yeah. So good. So what's hard about this season? Is there anything that is just like uniquely challenging and is there a way that God has met you in that brought you strength or or, or a vision that you didn't have before?
1: what has always been hard is that by having this full-time corporate America job, I have to do this other job that I'm also very passionate about. Have to is maybe the wrong language, but Mm -hmm. I need to find a good rhythm to fit that in and do that well while still having capacity for my family. Where the challenge really comes in is if I become distracted by comparison. Mm -hmm. If I start looking too closely at what other people are doing in the space and thinking how I should maybe be doing that thing too or that thing better, Mm. that that can really distract me because of the limited amount of time that I have to produce what I'm able to produce. I don't know if you ever listened to the Goop podcast with Gwyneth Paltrow, but she had Oprah on there. I think it was maybe the inaugural episode. It was a while ago. I've listened to it a couple of times and Oprah says on there, somebody else I think gave her this analogy, but when you're running and if you look back or even next to you that you will not be running quite as fast. Mm Mm-hmm. That visual for me has been really powerful that I always remind myself, stay looking ahead. You don't need to be distracted by any of the other runners around you. You're running your own race. And so run your race the best that you can. And the best way for you to run your race is by not looking at other people.
0: Yeah, I, I am definitely on board with that. All right, I wanna ask a question, just pausing right there. It's interesting, in the last few episodes I've recorded, we've just kind of landed here. What is something that would cause you to feel temptation to look to the left or the right? And what has helped grab you out of that? If there's been a moment where you've just been kind of like overwhelmed with comparison, I just, I've been trying to capture this for women. And I think it's so wise for us to capture it so we can rewrite it for ourselves. But I've been trying to capture it for other women who might think like, oh, Jessica Turner, she's got so much going on. She's got these incredible books. She's got this incredible job and family. Like she never feels that. What, what trips you up and then what gets you right back on the path of remembering what you're meant to do and what you're created to do? Signing up
1: for too many email lists, Ooh. I have found because I see more closely because when you invite somebody into your inbox, you get good content, you know, and you get a lot of it and you get sold to a lot, mm. which is fine. But if I start getting too many emails from too many people that I respect in the space, I find that I start comparing myself to them. So I need to unsubscribe. And the same is true in social media. Yeah. I will mute people or unfollow people all the time. If I find that if I see a photo from them in my feed and it breeds resentment or comparison or jealousy, then I control my feed and I know that I need to stop seeing their stuff. Now that doesn't mean that I don't occasionally go to their feed and and check out what they're doing, but it doesn't catch me by surprise because I go to their feed when I'm prepared to go to their feed and look at all the things that can be everybody from a home blogger who has a really beautiful all white home to, you know, somebody in the business space to another blogger who's doing a really cool trip with a brand. Like it can be anybody. Right. And you control your feed, you control your inbox. And so take control of it. I had somebody recently DM me and I'd been talking about my book being on sale. And she DM'd me and said that she found it really annoying that I was talking about my book every day. And I said... Thanks so much for that feedback. Um, I would encourage you to probably unfollow me then for the next few days because I'm going to be talking about it. Like this is my job and I have to talk about this. My job as an author is to promote my book. Like that's, that is my job. And I was very nice about it. And she got very, very angry that I told her to unfollow me. And all I was saying to her, and, and I say this to women often, is you need to protect yourself. And you know what, if that's annoying you, you don't want that feeling of being annoyed, right? So just hit unfollow. That is, that doesn't bother me. I'm encouraging you to do that because I want to empower you to have positivity in your life. And obviously if you're feeling so frustrated that you're DMing me about this, then you should not be following me right now, you know? Take control of your social media, of your inbox, of maybe the television you're consuming, because I have found over and over again in my life that that is when I get tripped up, is when I am looking too much at what other people are doing.
0: Absolutely. And to say it so clearly, like, yeah, when people unfollow me, I often in my heart, or if I notice, or you know, you go through seasons where you just notice, like, wow, there's a lot of people unfollowing. I'll go through seasons where I'll notice maybe 50 or 100 people unfollowing me every day. And in my heart wells up a deep feeling of like, I bless you. (laughs) Like, I bless you. You can leave. Please leave. If this is not life-giving, I'm spending too much time to have people listen to me who may not be blessed by it. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be inspired. And if that isn't happening, then please go. We're not each other's cup of tea and that's okay. I'm so glad to hear somebody else say that. Like It's totally fine to just hit unfollow. It's, It's absolutely okay. We're gonna break right here for a second and I wanna just share something quickly with you. A theme for me this year I sense God taking me back to Psalm 18 and this idea that He has brought me out to a spacious place, and I want to live under the belief that He's brought me out to a spacious place. One thing I love about our partnership with West Rock Coffee is that they want to provide a spacious place for their coffee growers. They want them to feel encouraged. They want them to feel equipped. They want them to be given the tools they need to live abundantly and also to do their jobs unto the glory of God and change the world. World while they're at it. Westrock Coffee believes in people and not just the drive to survive, but to live with dignity and to achieve greatness and to experience abundance right where they are. You've heard me talk about Westrock, how I love how they partner with individual farmers and what they're doing in the world, but I just wanted to put that on the table today that I think part of living a spacious life for me part of living a life where I believe God can move and can do things and can grow and can shift me is partnering with companies where I see the leaders of those companies doing the same thing and not just for themselves, but for their employees and for their customers as well. That's why I love Westrock because they are about abundance. They are about providing great opportunities and they are down to change the world. One cup of coffee at a time. You can get Westrock coffee on my favorite place, amazon.com. fun questions. I often start with, do you have time to read? But I know you have time to read because I know you make time to read. So is there a book you're currently reading that's been encouraging, life-giving?
1: So I am in the last hour of Michelle Obama's book Becoming. Have you listened to it or read it yet? I am in
0: about the first hour. I'm actually reading a hard copy, which I, I chose to get the hard copy of this one just to kind of savor it. But I'm in the first few chapters.
1: I kind of want to encourage you to take it back and go get the audiobook you because the audiobook is so so spectacular. Okay. Because she reads it and just her telling the stories of her childhood and she talks a lot about being a working mom. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I fully appreciated how important that was to her as a person and a, on her platform mm. of s- speaking and encouraging working women and working moms in particular it is a thread throughout most of the book you know as soon as she becomes a mom and and she worked in healthcare just like i do and wow. i loved 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 that book mm. so much and i think regardless of your politics i think you would love the book i, I It is so fantastic. Such, she's such a good storyteller, such a good writer. There's so much good takeaway. I I freaking loved it. I've got one hour left and I don't want it to end.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love Um, that. Yeah. I read the first few chapters and every, or the first few paragraphs and out loud kept making audible noises of like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the first line of the book, if you haven't read it, the first line of the book made me literally say like, oh, okay, okay. That's, yeah,
1: I, okay. I I cried multiple times listening to it. It's it's really spectacular. And I am an Obama fan, but I, I loved it. I really, really loved it. And then I just started the physical book. It's a thousand pages, Fall of Giants, mm-hmm. which is... Have you heard of this? It's by no. Ken Follett. It came out in 2012, and he writes big books. And this is a trilogy and it's book one. It's a historical fiction book. I'm not even far enough into it to articulate much about it yet, but it is supposed to be spectacular. It was on my list to read in 2018. And so I decided I was going to start 2019 with that book. So Mm -hmm. that's the physical book that I'm reading right now. And whenever this podcast comes out, I'll probably still be reading it because it's a big book, but it's very good so far, but I'm only like 40
0: pages into it. Okay, what's your coffee order? Are you a coffee drinker? I don't know this about you.
1: No, I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm not a coffee drinker, a tea drinker. I'm not a wine drinker. Like, I'm a boring drinker. All I drink is water and LaCroix. That's all I drink. And I love a good root beer float every now and again, but wow, that, that's, I'm so boring. You're so free from vices,
0: I'll tell you. Yeah, that. I guess. I
1: guess. <laughs> so, I mean, if I really feel like I have to have something at Starbucks that isn't water, I'll have like a caramel apple cider, but that's few and far between. I would just much rather have a cookie than drink my calories. So, so
0: good. I love it. Okay. Well, my next question, I think. I, I was gonna ask what your secret talent is, but I think not needing coffee qualifies. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have another one? <laughs> okay. This was a hard question for me to think about and this is so
1: silly. And I wonder, cause you and I are the same age, if you will know this as well. So in fourth grade I learned the song The Fifty Nifty United States. Oh, and yes. in that song, you sang all the states alphabetically. Uh-huh. And I can still do it. That's
0: and- that's a really, really big talent.
1: That that was the only secret talent I could think of.
0: I <laughs> Isn't love that, it. That? I mean, I, I used to be able for a
1: long time to lay on my stomach and do a seal stretch, you know, and make your feet touch your head. Mm-hmm. And I tried and... Those muscles are gone. Maybe after <laughs> with this trainer, I'll be able to do it again. But somehow between the second and third child, I lost that ability. And I so
0: believe it. that's coming back. United States. That, that, that's what I got for you there. That's impeccable. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Do you like lipstick? Do you care about lipstick? What's your favorite one? If you do like it.
1: I do like lipstick. I'm not super married to like, this is the only one that I will use, but I do get a ton of compliments on this lipstick that I wear a lot that I, people ask me all the time on Instagram about, mm-hmm. and it is a Smashbox lipstick and the color is Cognac. Okay. So
0: good to know. You got Okay, the last surprise one that we didn't give you is, do you care about the Enneagram and what's your Enneagram number? I just love, especially, I like it when it pops out at the end of an interview because people who care about the Enneagram are like, oh, now I can hear that throughout the whole interview. Caring
1: is probably a strong word, but I know my Enneagram number and it is 100% accurate. Can you guess what my
0: Enneagram number is? I was just trying to see if I could do it before you say, I would say a three.
1: Yeah. So that's a really good guess. That's what I used to think that I was, but I'm actually an eight.
0: <gasps> I love it. A fellow eight. I'm an eight too. Yes. I love a lady. Mm-hmm.
1: eight. <laughs> yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So lady eight, you know, can be, can be challenging in the workplace, but yeah. it is what it is. And I'm a strong, a strong eight. And my boss likes to say your greatest strength is Often your greatest liability, mm. and I think that's true for anyone, but I feel like for eights, it's especially true. So oh,
0: absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, now I want to guess your wing. Do you know your wing? Uh. I don't think I do, no my wing. Okay. I wa- I only want to say that I want to guess it's not a 7 <laughs> because <laughs> you said you don't drink coffee or wine. <laughs> and 7s love, you know, they they love to consume. They just like to feel good. And so I can't imagine being a 7 and not drinking coffee. Mm. Having any 7 in you and not drinking coffee especially. What if any I seven.
1: really I really love to feel good by getting massages.
0: Does that count? That would totally count. That would totally (laughs) count. You know, seven just, they they know what they love and they want to experience it. So that's interesting. Okay. Hey, thank you so much. I know you have a very full life and I'm just grateful that you are sharing a little bit about where you're at right now. But y'all please go follow Jessica online. She's Jessica N. Turner on Instagram. Absolutely grab both of her books. If you want bonus points, I'd get at least two of each to share with a friend because they're such a helpful tool for other women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It really meant a lot.